Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning, everybody. We've got an amazing guest host today. I've got my good friend, Aaron Drussel, with me. What's going on, Aaron? Good to see you. Thanks, to for, see you. The, thanks for the invite to hang out with you. This is awesome. Yeah, we've got, and, and the crew is funny. The crew is split up into multiple places. We've got people on Zoom, people on Facebook, we'll have people listening to the podcast later. We ended up having a couple hundred downloads a week now, which is, which is pretty cool. So well, we've we got your huge following on MySpace. This is watching in. Like, you've got a big following there. Well, I have almost everything on my entire MySpace profile blinking and glowing. So it makes nice. it really, uh, it makes it really fun. Good stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so we're going to dive into today, guys. Um, one of my favorite topics in real estate, and I was trying to come up with something tactical that's actionable you can use, but something we don't cover all the time. And I want to dive into the world of emotional intelligence and how that relates to real estate. And I thought, who do I know that would be really good to talk about emotional intelligence? And so... My buddy Aaron, who runs a brokerage in Salt Lake City, is not only did I not only have I heard him given a couple talks on emotional intelligence, but I I learned from your Facebook the other day, Aaron, that you perform in improv comedy and not just improv comedy, but musical improv comedy. Yeah. So we're gonna do this entire power huddle in the form of a uh, 1900 Jane Austen novel set to music. Oh, perfect! I'm uh, I'm ready. All right, All right. I'm, I'm, like that. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like I'm, I'm ready. Like we can just get rolling. So we're, <laughs> we're on, we're on scene. Let's do it. We're good, right? I had no idea that he would have that ready, but that's ready. that's incredible. Challenge accepted, right? Yeah. All right, let's do this. So, so <laughs> I love it. What um, uh, in the world of emotional intelligence? But first of all, uh, let's just frame it up. Why, in the context of real estate? huddle will we even be talking about emotional intelligence do you think aaron um well i mean we always could be a little bit more intelligent so we have i mean it's good that we have the the people watching in because they'll bring the intelligence to the conversation uh but at the same time i mean real estate is such an emotional process i mean if you if, if you're newer into residential real estate you, you might not see that yet but if you've had any time in this business you'll realize man it is it is emotional when you're dealing with clients on the buying and selling process in our market right now, just leverages that emotion to a whole new level. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's a wild time right now across in every market that you're seeing across the country right now. It, it is. And I know you've got some, some slides we can kind of jump back and forth, but just because of this market you just referenced, um, are you doing anything differently? Are you training your agents to do anything differently in this market? Or is it just more going deeper into some of the things that you've, you've done in the past? I think right now what we're like really focusing on um, is everything. I mean, obviously going back to the basics of real estate, but at the same time, trying to slow things down in the conversations that they have with their clients. Because right now the, mar- the market's moving so fast that sometimes it's it's easy to get caught up with the speed of how quick everything is going and then feeling that the market's just running like running ragged and it, and it's what's happening now is it's pulling agents to feel at the mercy of just being on call all hours of every day and it's just like and it is uh and so as the market moves fast agents feel like they've got to move faster 
to try to keep up with how how the speed of the market is moving. I love it. All right, so so let's break that down a bit then. Um, how do you how do you slow it down? Right, if your clients are winding up and agents are winding up, how do you slow it down? Uh, I think the, the main thing is you've got to really focus on some self care. Uh, and, and that's a hard place. That's a, that's a, that's usually the first thing that gets thrown out the window is yourself in, in a market like this, because it, and it often, I mean, you have a lot of people who are really focused on client relationships and they want to really help their clientele. And they think that the, the best way of helping is to be at their, at their beck and call and at their, at their mercy whenever they're available. And, and, and the question is, is that really true? Is that really in the best interest of the client? for you to always be available 24 seven. And, uh, and I would say that that's not the case. Um, many years ago, I had a, had a, had a, um, a mentor who, who told me, he said, that, you know, thing is in real estate, there's nothing life and death in this industry. I mean, there's not, there's not a person bleeding out on an operating table that they're like, they, they need you to appear to save the, the save their life, even though, I mean, I'll get it. Like there are certain clients that feel like it's life and death. Like they will, they will call you repeatedly because they feel like it's this life and death situation. But in all reality, it's real estate. I mean, it's helping people buy and sell homes. And it's not that someone's going to pass away because of you're not being there within 30 seconds of that experience. Yeah. I love it. Is this resonating with anybody in terms of in this, as this market's transitioned the last 90 to six months, right? Self-care out the window, right? Being at least whether for yourself or for agents you work with, it's it's pretty spot on, Aaron. So, so in terms of when you started learning about emotional intelligence, where, where did you start your journey? Well, for me as, as, a, as a, I try to look at people who would forge into really hard places and able to keep their calm in those situations. And, and my direction turned to the military. Like I kind of got sucked into a world of reading about Navy SEAL adventures and learning about people in special operations and, and seeing super intense situations and how people were able to handle high pressure situations and be able to still keep their calm in those scenarios. And, and I spent time going to some different events. And even this last week, this last week, uh, on Thursday, I went to a, a tactical training put on by former Green Berets, and we spent the whole day learning about how to deliberately getting discom- like the, um, discomfort, like having places to step into that's a little bit uncomfortable and how to be able to hold your mind in a place that's not a comfortable place to be. And if you can like have some, uh, some mindset around that, and you're able to push yourself to intentionally become uncomfortable, then the other scenarios that, that arise, they're just not as big of a deal because you're able to handle those because you've already kind of prepared yourself mentally for some hard challenges. Interesting. So, so, so what else did you learn over the weekend? So that, so, so, and first of all, that is not where I would imagine that you would go to, to start learning about emotional intelligence, but it makes sense, right? You go, you're comparing these intense situations. So but what else did you pick up this, uh, in this last one that you went to? Oh, it was fascinating. I mean, you had like these people who had, who had served and they'd been in uh, some really difficult places. And what I was impressed with is um, their ability to take a step back to gain their mental composure and still be able to handle things. I mean, we did everything from being attacked by police dogs in, in full suits to, uh, um, to breaching a, a house with airsoft guns and, and trying to 
and then you're trying you're being shot at and you're trying to be able to handle like keep your nerves and be able to hold hold your position and and i think what was interesting is there's a, something that comes into that where your mind is focused on helping the other people around you at the same time the one piece that comes through in a lot of the trainings that i've gone through is the importance of of breath work and being able to control your heart rate and be able to calm yourself in really hard situations. And, uh, and that was kind of like a, a piece that is, has rolled through a lot of the different trainings is this concept of being able to take a deep breath, control your mind, control your heart rate and have a place where you're not getting sucked into the, the heightened emotions. And, so, and that's something that's, that, that's relayed over to real estate many, many times. I mean, when things get heightened and you get emotions that are drawn up, now my natural reaction is to, to, to sit back, take a deep breath, control the situation in my mind, and then be more prepared in that situation for, uh, for whatever the next steps are. And how do you control it in your mind? I mean, it, it sounds easy just to take a deep breath and control it, but is there some tactical things? What do you do when you take it, once you take that deep breath? Well, I, so I would recommend, I mean, there's some amazing books out there. I mean, if you look at one, one, there's a book called uh, Unbeatable Mind, which is put on, which is written by Mark Devine. He's actually in your neck of the woods, uh, Jesse. He's down in uh, he, like their SEAL Fit program. It used to be in Encinitas, but then they moved over to Carlsbad. Um, but they, like, they're, they're all former Navy SEALs who teach this program. And, and, they're, and it's built around this whole idea of, of, uh, of breath work. And they talk a lot about um, box breathing which is taking a deep breath in with your nose, holding that count for eight seconds and then slowly breathing out and then like repeating that over and over. And what's interesting in that pattern, um, and they do some, they do some intense physical challenges. I mean, I did one of their uh, 20X programs, which is like a 12 hour insane boot camp experience that just breaks you. I mean, it breaks you physically. Um, but the whole premise of that is to be able to, to teach you that you can push yourself through um, and your mind is stronger than what your body thinks it is. Like you're 20 times stronger than what your, what your body thinks you are. And so but the only way you can get through that is through like mentally pushing through and then having people around you that are supporting you to get through that next place. Um, but yeah, breathwork is such a key part of that process. And so we teach that to our agents all the time is the, uh, the importance of, of in a situation where you're feeling like the emotions are getting out of control is to be able to take a step back and take a deep breath and be able to just understand the scenario a little bit better. And, and I see that pattern even in situations where I'm driving on the freeway where I have a, someone cuts me off. Like the natural reaction is you get this like heightened feeling of like, how dare that person? Like I'm going to get that. But now like the pattern is like, when that starts to happen, I just take a deep breath. And I try to control that to be able to just say, Oh no, like I'm, I'll be able to control the situation and then they're not going to control me. Is this making sense, guys? I mean, how many of you can think about, just so Aaron knows, those of you on camera, how many, nod your head if in the last week, two weeks, you've been in a situation where you're like, yep, I, I could I could use take that breath, right? You felt that tension coming on your body, all of us. But it's so interesting how this parallels to, to real estate. So in order to, um, and this is not where I was expecting this conversation to go. This is really interesting. In order to really leverage emotional intelligence with your clients, you have to first start with yourself. For sure. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's like it all starts on the inner game. I, I would say that all lasting change begins on the inside first. Like if you really want some change, like you, there's, there's gotta be some inner work that's done in that space. 
I've noticed that over the years, as, as my business has grown, um, it has grown in direct proportion to my own personal growth. Like I found different places where I kind of leveled, I kind of plateaued. And um, even recently, like where I've like found places where I've kind of felt comfortable. And I know when I'm in those spots, like growth is not going to happen. Like I'm just, I'm in a place where it's not going to, and I, and I know that for me to get to the next place, whatever that is, I've got to find a place to get uncomfortable. Uh, and as I get uncomfortable, it's going to push me to become a, a better version of myself to that, which then enables me to run a business that is more significant. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned in the beginning, the whole musical improv piece, like that all began because it freaked me out. Like the whole idea of getting on stage and singing in front of people, when especially with nothing prepared beforehand, because I'm not, I mean, if you would have, I mean, a couple of years ago, I'd be like, hey, Aaron, we're going to have you sing in front of a bunch of random strangers. And we're going to give you a three word suggestion. If you could go ahead and make up a couple songs, that would be great. Like that is so uncomfortable. Like that whole thought. And I remember driving to the first, I'd, la- I'd looked online to find like, where do they teach improv? I was like, this would be kind of out of my comfort zone here. So, and I remember driving to my first improv class lesson and I was so uncomfortable. Like that, those butterflies in your stomach that you have, uh, oh, like I was just like, dude, what in the world am I doing? And I get there and it's just, it's me surrounded by a bunch of young 20 year old kids who are like college age kids. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then, uh, and then the, and the whole thing starts and the instructor says, okay, this is improv. And, uh, and improv is the whole concept behind improv is you're building a plane while it's in the air. All right, everybody get up. Let's get on stage. Let's do this. And you're like, whoa, whoa, like what? And it was just, you're thrown right into it. And, uh, and I would say that that rush of excitement has been, it's been game changing for me. I, I had a show this last Saturday night and it was such a rush. I mean, there's nothing like that. I mean, when you show up, you have some other performers that you're going to perform with, you get on stage and you have a packed house and uh, man, it's and just like, it's just the, the, the funniness of it and the comedy of it and just the interaction with the, the audience. This is such, I mean, it's hard to, but now it's become more comfortable, which is like cool, but now it like, makes me want to see like, how far can I push that? to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. And so, but that's just like a small snippet, right? Of like something in my life that I found that I said, Oh, that freaks me out a little bit, but that because it freaks me out, what am I going to learn from going that route that I can now bring over to the real estate game? And, and, uh, and I use stuff in that all the time. Like I use stuff in the world that I've learned in improv. I use that in real estate all the time. Give us some examples. Um, well, I mean, the concept of the whole concept of yes and, which is what, what improv is built on, is when someone comes to you and they have a concept and you just yes and that. I would say that my objection handling and being able to deal with situations is dramatically increased over the last two years. I mean, like as far as stepping into a situation, have a seller have whatever objection it is, I feel like I'm like way more competent to be able to handle things because I don't feel like I have to be so scripted to be able to handle like exact scenarios. I'm, I'm able to figure out creative ways of handling that because if I'm getting on stage in front of 200 people, I'm not going to be worried about some random seller sitting on a couch in their house trying to like heckle me. Right. Like it's not going to, it's like, that's nothing. It's just a person in a house. And it's not going to be that difficult. 
when you have like a room full of people that could potentially be heckling you. I, I love it. So, so, so the SN concept, guys, he's saying like, yes, and right, you're building off of what's come before. So, so in terms of objection handling, is it just that you've gotten so used to, to rolling with the flow, or is it actually that building concept of yes and that actually helps you in the objection handling? I think it's both. I mean, I think it's uh, it's the it's the fact that because I think a lot of times when people look at the objection handling, they're like they're going to deal with it as an objection from the get go. So if whatever your challenge is, whatever the thing is that you're going to say. Um, if I can just yes and that, I'm like, yeah, that's a great, that's a great thing. And this is some of the things that will come about if we go that route and I can turn it around and I can like build that up. And and the key part of yes anding is that you've got to be listening to what people have said. Because oftentimes when people are in conversations, like they're already thinking of the next thing to say without listening to what the person's saying. And and that will like mess up the whole improv game. Like if you if you're not listening to the person on stage with you and you're already thinking of the next thing of funny thing you can say, and you're not really listening in that engagement, then you're going to miss real opportunities. And I think that comes into play too, with the whole idea of, of truly um, connecting with your clientele or potential clients. Cause <laughs> if you can listen to them and be able to say, Oh, got it. Like you're, you're saying this. Okay, great. And here's something and you just add on to that, whatever they've said to you. Any tips on, listening better. I mean, I'm sure that we have all different levels of people listening today, right? From new to super experienced, selling hundreds of homes a year, but I'm always looking for little things to pick up. Um, were you naturally a good listener? Were you always naturally very present in the moment or is that something you developed oh, over time? No, no, not at all. Uh, I put a post on Facebook the other day about my first improv show that I, that I performed in. This is, I don't know, three years ago or so. Um, that whole week leading up to it, I thought, Oh man, I got some funny ideas. Like there's some good, there's some good stuff. And I would like come up with like different concepts. Like, Oh dude, if we talk about this, like I have some funny stuff to go. And I had all these like creative ideas, even like wrote some of them on my phone. Like, Oh, there's like, if we talk about this and this, and I had all these great like talking points to kind of really bring it home on stage. And I remember being in the green room ahead of time and, and everybody's kind of talking and getting ready for the show. And, and I'm like, oh, dude, I've got all this good stuff. Like, I'm I'm ready for this. And we remember getting on stage, and and uh, and it was I was a total mess because I kept trying to like push the conversations to my like words and like my conversations. I'm like, oh, dude, we've got to. And I remember one of the things I had this like super funny thing about um, like an airplane and airport stuff. I just had to get the conversation to talk about airports, and then like I was and I was going to bring it home and. The conversations were not about airports. I think we're like the, I think the situation was we're like in a deli and I'm like, Hey, could you imagine? Like, and I was like it was so awkward and like, so contrived about trying to push. Oh, it was, I still remember like walking away from that. Like what an idiot. Like I was just so dumb of trying to, but my, but my biggest takeaway from that was that I had to be present in the moment. I couldn't try to push my agenda. And, uh, and I, and I think that relates to real estate too. I mean, oftentimes we get into a situation and we meet with a seller at their house and you're like, Oh, I've, I've got all my stuff. Like I've got, I've got my presentation, all seven pages of it. I've got my thing and like how, like I'm ready. And the seller's like, you know what? I don't know if I want to sell like, Oh, that's good. Okay. Let me go into page one. And like, and like, then you just go right into like your set thing that you've got like this amazing thing. And you just start steamrolling that conversation. And then, <laughs> And then you don't get the listing. You're like, I don't, I don't understand how I didn't get that. Like I was, I was on point with all seven slides. Like how could they not, 
and you just, but you lost that cell in the beginning because you didn't even hear what they said in the beginning. And I, that was a huge takeaway for me to just say, you know what? Um, so like this last show on this last Saturday, um, I just, I got there and, and, uh, it was myself and, uh, a couple other uh, female performers who were also had been scheduled to perform. So it was the, the four of us. And we had a, a pianist as well. Uh, Sierra was going to be on the keys for us. And, um, and we just got in the green room. We just talked about whatever random stuff. Like there was just nothing. There's like no prep work of like what we're going to talk about. It was just like just normal conversations. And then the show starts and we get on stage and then we just create everything from that moment. And it was such a good show because of the chemistry that we had with each other, because we were really listening to each other. And we were trying to like help one another succeed versus some sort of agenda that we all brought to the table to be like, Hey, I've got this really funny thing. So if you wouldn't mind bringing this up, like I would really, and like, and just kind of have this contrived process that would just not work. So interesting. I'm, I'm loving this. You get some, there's some comments in the, uh, in the box, by the way, that people are also really enjoying this. So if anybody has um, questions you want to ask Aaron, let me know. I will absolutely ask them on Facebook. You guys type them in. We'll, we'll, Zach or Autumn will copy and paste them here. Let's see. And Angie just said, this applies to all aspects of life and relationships, both professionally and personal. Totally agree, Angie. This applies to all aspects of life. It really does. Oh, totally. I mean, if you can be present, but I, th I think that's one of the hardest parts of our world right now. I mean, we, with all the distractions that we have, with all the technology that we have, I mean, it is hard to be quote unquote present anywhere anymore because you have like a, you have this distraction in your pocket. Like it's the instant distraction and then, and you pulled out and you, and you, um, I mean, can you imagine like standing in line somewhere and not having your phone? Like, what does that even look like? Like, what is that? Like, if you had to go to the DMV, like if I said like, go to the DMV today, but leave your phone in the car, like, what would you do in there? Like you would just what stand there and like stare at people. Like you would be like, why are you looking at me? Like, why? Look at like, look at something else. Like, look at your hand at least. Like, just don't look up. But you don't even like know into his world how to be somewhere without having like the instant go-to phone to be like, oh, I'm going to get distracted really quick. I don't, I can't be here. Um, and then, but that like, that relays out into like, even the relationships. I see that with my kids. I've got four kids and, um, and like being able to put the phone away to be like, actually present with them. Like, sure, I'm home, but am I really home from them? And and with all the COVID stuff over the last year, back in the day, like you could separate work a lot easier. I mean, you could be like, hey, I'm my 30 minutes on the bike. And I'm going to be right. back. And, and at the same time, you have the situation where um, now that you've like, you're zooming from home, like now you've got this like crossover of what is, what is home, what is work. And oh, that, that's a tough deal. I mean, and, I, and so one of the things we talked like, talk to our agents about is like maybe set up a place in your house, which is like your your work place at home so that you can like feel that when you're when you're at home, and you're working from home, you're on Zoom. Like maybe that is if that's your that's your place. But um, to kind of separate it from the rest of the house a little bit. And so because it's, it's such a blurred experience right now in that world. I mean, Jesse, you see that, right? I mean, like in your when you're Absolutely. Zoom at home. And you got little ones like ugh, it's hard to be around to like how to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we I've definitely created a, a Zoom 
space from home. Like I have my home workspace, which is often we sectioned off a little bit of the corner of the garage so I could have like a permanent space here. Because um, otherwise, when you talk to people who are doing Zooms from their living room and trying to make, it, it really is very, uh, very disruptive to not have a permanent space. It's hard to create that separation. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's like a hard part in like this world right now. And then you've got, and coming back to this emotional intelligence, the hard part is like, if you're trying to create some separation, um, like you've got to have a place where you can kind of separate that stuff or else if you get pulled into real estate all the time, all the time, um, not only will you start to feel burnt out, but your loved ones will be burnt out too. Like they're going to be burnt out with you with work. They're like, are you ever off of work? And then there's like this weird, like argument that happens. Like, well, I'm trying to work for like, make money for you. You're like, what? but you're never here. Like I'm right here. And like, it's like this weird deal. Right. And it's like this hard conversation to have. Um, and then you've got, I mean, I think the other aspect that becomes challenging is you have a, because the market is moving so fast. You have so many people that have had job changes and people are like, Oh, I've, I've watched an episode of house hunters. Like I'm going to get rid of real estate. Like how hard is that? You like show three homes and you have two commercial breaks. Like how hard is that to sell a house? I could totally do that. And so people go get their real estate licenses so out. Now you're getting people in the real estate game who really haven't had much background of like how to pay the price of how to do real estate. And they just kind of jump into it and they think it's just going to be super fast. And, and then now you're, so some of the people on this call maybe have had some experience in real estate. You're dealing with some of the people who have had no experience, but they think that they have. And, and then that is like a frustrating thing too. And then you, uh, and that, that, that becomes like a whole different amount of drama that gets created in our market, right? It, oh, it, it absolutely does. All right, so, so before before we run out of time, we got a few minutes. I, I have, I want to take this conversation one direction because I'm curious. Um, when we have clients that are experiencing the same challenges that we are, right? We have clients that are distracted. They wouldn't know what to do without their phone. We have clients that, how do you, how do you, you can't, do you go to your clients and say, Hey, let me teach you this box breathing technique. All or do, you, do you, do you actually do yeah, that? The, in fact, the book that I find, like when my clients get super stressed um, and stress is a funny word, right? Like that's like the, that's the, um, I mean, people get stressed and that's like, a, that you're, it's okay to say that you're stressed. People will like use that word, which often really is just the adult word for fear. People don't want to say that, right? Like you're not going to have clients be like, Hey, I'm scared. I'm not going to be able to find a house like that. Like, or I'm afraid of this. Like, that's such a weird, you're not gonna have some guy come up to you and be like, I'm afraid of the market. Like I'm kind of stressed about this market. Like that's a, that's the adult version of that. Um, the, the one book that I read every year that has been a game changer for me is there's a book by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie wrote that book, How to Win Friends, Influence People. There's another book that he wrote. It's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, which is a game changer. Like I give that book out to my clients all the time. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Um, and that what it does is it really compartmentalizes the whole concept of stress and kind of pulls people back to like not be so emotionally tied. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now is you have clients who are feeling so stressed and they're feeling overwhelmed. And, um, and unfortunately, there are a lot of agents out there who feel like the best way they can help their clients is to take that on themselves as well. Like they feel that their job as an agent is to feel that same stress and that same emotion. And that's, then they take that all on themselves and then they take that and they wear that around with them. And they, and they think that that is a fiduciary duty is to be the, 
the, the sacrificial bearer of the emotional journey of their clients, which is, that is not true. In fact, it's not on you. Unless you want to be a, a good decision maker and be on title with them, like that's not your deal. But but people will take that on and they feel like, well, I'm a good agent because I'm like up at night and I can't sleep at night. And I'm like in tears and I'm just like, and like, I, and I'm breaking down physically and emotionally, but my clients understand, like I'm with them. Like, oh, dude, that is not what your clients need. What your clients need is someone who can be the guide on the side, who can be calm in the storm and the captain. Of, like, I mean, you want a captain of a ship who, when the storm is raging, you want your, you want the captain freaking out. Like, how would you like to be on a plane that's coming in for landing? And there's some turbulence and the pilot comes right on the aisle. Like, oh my gosh, we're by, we might crash everybody. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like that'd be the worst flight ever. Cause if the pilot's freaking out, like who wants to be on that plane? Uh, like you want the pilot to be like, guys, it's all good. Like we're coming into land. It's all, it's all good. We got this. Um, but we're in a world right now where like people are freaking out and they're buckled up. They're coming in for landing and, uh, and maybe the face master is coming down, but you don't want the pilot freaking out and like getting on the loudspeaker like yelling at people like, Oh my gosh, anybody else actually know how to fly in this thing? Like I, I could use some help up here. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I, well, I've never seen that before. Hey, like, Oh yeah. We like to thank our uh, mileage mileage people too that bring on this flight, but Oh my gosh, we might crash. like if that happens, like you are, but that, but that is the scenario with agents right now. Like they're taking that on. And I think that's a sad, that's a, that's a misdirection directed fiduciary concept that people are taking on. Aaron, I love that. This is such a good call. Really, truly it is. And, and I do love the fact, by the way, that you brought it around to airports at the end. Oh, it all worked out. I came into this thinking, <laughs> dude, if we, like, we just got to get airports into this and then I'm done. Like, we got my job. But <laughs> so, all worked out. In, in, in reality, guys, seriously, this is such a good message, such a timely message. And I, I think, I, I mean, I'm seeing people typing in the chat box. So take a look at the chat box before you jump off. This is a really, really impactful call for a lot of people. If if you guys have anything that you want to uh, connect with Aaron, right? He's in Salt Lake City. We'll tag him in the Facebook post in the Agent Power Huddle group. Please reach out. Um, anything else you want to leave people with, Aaron? This is good stuff. Jesse, I, I appreciate all your time and effort. I mean, you've done a ton of work to put this whole thing together on a day in and day out basis. And I, I'm, I'm super impressed. So thanks for letting me just, I mean, thanks for lowering your standard enough to let me join you today on a, on a Tuesday. So I think the <laughs> first time I said like, Hey, can I be on? You're like, yeah, we have like a 4am slot on like a random Saturday morning. You're like, that seems like no one will watch. He's like, exactly. <laughs> but I appreciate you taking the time on a Tuesday prime time to let me be able to share some stuff. You made it to prime time, Aaron. I love it. Everybody have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye guys. Thanks you guys. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the agent power huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the agent collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.